0: Good morning. It's good to be here with you. wanted to start out with a verse that you're very familiar with, probably. It comes from deep left in your Bible. It's um, from First Chronicles. It says... I'm sorry, from Second Chronicles. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The idea there is God is in heaven with all of his power, and he's looking for somebody that he can channel that power through in a way that doesn't just puff that individual up. So we've heard that verse many times, but the story may be a little bit more obscure. It's um, it's taken from 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Um, The context, King Asa has just become king. His parents were wicked. Um, Okay, this is over the land of Judah. Judah and Israel were separated at this time, had separate kings. Um, Asa's parents were wicked. There was a lot of idolatry in the land, and there was a lot of undealt with sin and trouble. But Asa, when he became king, he decided to put away the idolatry. And so he went around and destroyed the idol worship throughout the land and built up the temple of uh, the altar of God and called the people together to seek the Lord. It was kind of mandated, but I think people, they like getting behind a good leader when somebody is leading them to the Lord. So, um, here they are, they are a group of people that are consecrated a bit before God. They are worshiping God, they've gotten rid of idols, but then trouble comes. The Ethiopians come with over a million and um, hundreds of chariots, and Judah only has, well, less than half of that amount. We'll start reading 2 Chronicles 14, verse 10 through 13. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zeph, Fatha at Maresha And Asa called, cried out to the Lord God, and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power, help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and your name, in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled, and Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and his army, and they carried away very much spoil. And then God shows up in chapter 15 and speaks to Asa and tells him how things have been, that there has not been leadership in Israel to lead people to the Lord. And um, he encourages him. Verse 7, in chapter 15, it says, but you... Be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And so, in response to God's speaking to him and encouraging him, he does another purge. He goes out further and he calls all the cities together and he gets, destroys all of the idolatry and builds up the altars and... He calls them together to worship the Lord. He actually made them um, enter a covenant. said, if somebody is not willing to seek the Lord, they shall be put to death. This is Old Testament, by the way. Um, So they did. There was a mass revival. Everybody was calling on the name of the Lord. And there was peace for quite a long time. Then in chapter 16, I'm kind of rushing through this, um, some trouble begins. I'll start reading verse 1. In the sixth, 36th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, their separate kingdoms, came up against Judah and built Ramah that he might... Let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. So, Baasha, king of Israel, comes up right against Judah and starts building this city kind of to um, isolate them and to block travel, and I don't know what all the intent there was, Um, but it was greatly disturbing to Asa. Verse 2, Asa brought silver and gold from the treasury of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus. So he's taking money from the treasury of the temple and from the king's treasury, and he's going to an enemy king um, to ask for help. And he says, let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come, break your treaty with Besha king of Israel so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad heeded king, of Asa, king Asa and sent captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they attacked Ijon, Dan, Abel, Maim, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. Now it happened when Besha heard it that he stopped building Ramah, the offensive city, and ceased his work. Then King Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones and the timber of Ramah, which Besha had used for building, and with them they built Geba and Mizpah. So they, they went to the city that was being built, and they took all the building materials into Judah, and they built two other smaller cities. Verse 7, at that time, Hananat, the seer, or the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you, have re- because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. And then he brings up that battle years before that was way bigger than they could handle. He says, were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim, not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, He delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. In this you have done foolishly, therefore from now on you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer, the prophet, and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this, and Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. A change of heart a little bit here in his older days, when he was young and a big problem confronted him. He knew where to turn. He turned to the Lord and he called on the Lord. When he is older, confronted with a smaller problem, he turns to other means. Um, it's interesting to note, the last portion of this chapter is the rest of his life, Um Verse 12, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe, yet his disease, in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Interesting. So Asa rested with his fathers. He died in the 41st year of his reign. So there's a change in his heart that we see. Um, I, there's nothing wrong with going to the doctors, okay? But there's there's a sobering trend, I would say. Um, I believe that it is possible for us as Christians that are getting more mature and older to turn our dependence away from God to other things. It's easy to do. It's easy to do. And meanwhile, God is frustrated in heaven with all His power, wanting to show Himself strong on behalf of those who trust Him. it's easy for me to look at life a little more logically and say, um, now that I'm older, well, God gives us wisdom to, to um, think through our situation and make wise choices. And that's probably what he was doing. He was making wise choices. God's given me a bank account. I can take this money and go to Syrian army and God's provided this way. Um, and I know that we can, I can rationalize my way through through life without calling on the Lord. When I was young and I was faced with a difficult situation, I didn't have the money. Um, and I probably didn't have the wisdom. And so I would call on the Lord. And as we get older, we think we are wiser. We think and we maybe have more resources. And it is a possibility to not call on the Lord as much. So I wanted to preach to the choir just briefly here about who God is and His might and His power. So we've got the Scriptures, and we are very familiar with the Scriptures. Um, The Bible is filled with God-glorifying stories and um, creation. He breathed the stars into existence. Um, He brought a great judgment against sin by the flood, saving Noah and eight souls with him, or his family. The Tower of Babel was an amazing account where he just changed languages to disrupt their plan to rise up against God with their pride. Abraham and Sarah's miracle baby, Moses and the children of Israel and how God judged Egypt and brought them out with a great show of power, those plagues, parting of the Red Sea. um, He fed the masses with manna, bread falling from heaven, Um, he conquered powerful nations using clay pots and trumpets, Um, and the judges who worked great signs, Elijah calling fire from heaven, the three Hebrew boys walking around in the fiery furnace with the fourth, who was the son of God, Daniel surviving a night with the cats. So we could go on and on. Um, Meanwhile, All of God's promises are kept. There's these great shows of power, but there's the quiet ones. All of His promises were kept. He promised Abraham this property, it was kept. He promised Adam and Eve a deliverer. Jesus came, it was kept. And Jesus came, and He was very much like His Father with great show of power. He would heal the blind. He healed lepers, the lame, the deaf, the dumb. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He brought spiritual hope to a people that was perishing. That's our God. So we have the Bible is full of of shows of power from our God. And we believe it. And in more recent history, outside of the Bible, extra-biblical, we have um, history of revivals when God showed up and there were masses that were saved and in pockets here and there, signs and wonders and God's done things. God's done things in your life and in mine and in our family, our extended family. So we have evidence. We have a lot of examples of God's power in our lives or in in the world. And oh by the way, there was a church that was going through some very difficult things one time. And um they were having meetings about how to resolve the problems and it just looked insurmountable. And they just decided to stop and start going through the Scripture and naming one by one how the great things that God has done. And after about an hour of that, their problem seemed pretty small. They didn't necessarily figure it out, but they got a perspective of who God is. They got a perspective of how great our God is. So, God's power isn't in question in my mind. What is in question is my faith. See, there's two compartments in me. There's my head and then there's my heart. Um, Believing all the greatness of God in my head is good, but it's when I start depending on the greatness in difficult situation that it gets from my head to my heart. An analogy that's really old is this tightrope walker that would push a wheelbarrow across the cable to the other side and then back. And then he put 200 pounds of rocks in it and push it to the other side and back. And then the crowd on the side was cheering and he said, how many do you think I could push a person across there and back? And they all said, yeah, you could do it. That would be great, do it. And He said, all right, how about you? No. How about you? No. How about you? No. Nobody wanted to do it. They all believed it would be possible, but they didn't trust. And that's the difference between head and heart here. God's power isn't a question, isn't in question, it's my faith. Do you have a safe in your house? I want to... um, Bring up an um, analogy here. I made it up this morning. It's called a faith safe. So a safe in your house, a safe is a a box, there's different sizes that's made of concrete and steel. And so that you put your valuables in there and somebody can't break in your home and take those valuables. Or if your house burns down, those things are safe it's waterproof so that when the firemen spray on it, it doesn't destroy the things inside anyway. Um, what is a faith safe? Well, I brought this little thing. It's just look like a small safe. It says safe on there. It also says faith on this side. So, there's two things. We know that without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith is vitally important to be a Christian. And the second is that we know that God does not dwell in temples built with hands. He dwells in our hearts. So, I would like to say that faith... Is the spiritual material that He builds a temple in our hearts with? Okay. So this is this is um, my faith safe. It's it's the temple in which God lives in my heart is built with faith. That's the faith safe. The more faith I have, the larger area that God has to move around and dwell in. My faith safe is the distance and area in which I feel comfortable or safe to go with God. if I've found God to be faithful in a certain area of my life, in an experience that I've had, that I'm more comfortable to go there again by faith. I've I've realized that God is is going to take care of me in that situation. And an example I would give is um, years back, I worked in Roanoke Steel electric mill. They um, melted scrap steel and it was a very interesting but very dirty place and it was big and I was in maintenance and so I would have to wear this harness and you have this hook and we would go up these flights and flights and flights of stairs to the crane rail and it's about ninety feet off the floor we have to go out on these cranes and um, we'd hook things, we have two hooks. Well there might be a time when you're standing right there beside the ninety-foot precipice and you connect here and you actually could lean back against that harness Um, and very comfortably so because I had built up a trust in that thing that I didn't have at first. And At first I was knee wobbly and staying far from the edge and um, but after using this harness um, over and over and being in that environment I learned to trust the harness. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm relating my little scenario very clearly or if it's making sense to you. Um, when I was young, I had all the head knowledge but I didn't have much operating room with in faith. I would believe that yes Jesus can save me. That I camped on that was in my little operating space of faith. And God will take that. He'll live there. Um but Ask me to stand in front as a teenager and share a devotion or something, then I would. Oh man, I wasn't finding it there. In my, I knew God would be. All the head knowledge is there. It's right. You know, but but when it was something new and scary, and I couldn't, and I hadn't done it before, um, I would not find it in my felt safe faith, if you will. And as I found God faithful in that area, then my faith walls grew, To and God is with me, and it's not a big deal. Studying is the worst. When I'm up here sharing that something God gave me, it's great. It's, I enjoy it. Um. But even even the whole studying, I know that God is going to be there because I, He's been with me so many times, and He's shown Himself faithful. Now, don't ask me to step in a fiery furnace. I haven't built that into my safe faith safe yet. Um, but we are growing as Christians and I look at Asa and, and I, I have to think that his faith safe was shrinking over the years. And I believe that is possible. It's a dangerous, uh, it's a scary, scary um, fact or a possibility that that can happen. And we can start out well, we can be following God and then we can um, diminish in faith. And I'll admit that I have a limited amount of, a limited size of faith. I, I admit that personally. That's why I'm sharing today on this. Um, speaking with one of the other ones that shares, he says he likes to preach things that he's struggling with. And I always thought, well, it'd be better to share from things that I have tested. And, you know, and then I want to stand up and share with you all the things that I've tested and found to be true. I think that's good as well, but um, I probably wouldn't have very many sermons if I only preached things that I had fully tested. Um, So, I myself am lacking in the area of faith um, because when I lack in faith, it limits what God can do in and through me. Symptoms of small faith safe can be low spiritual vision, low prayer urgency, and a low care for the lost, a feeling uncomfortable around people who have great faith and vision. What can cause my faith to diminish over time? I was considering that and I really believe that that the love of the world can creep in and when the love of the world starts to creep in, There's just not room for both, you know. One's growing larger. The other is going to be getting smaller. And when my faith, say, for the area of which God has freedom to pull me to and and ask of me is smaller, then my impact is smaller. He's not as able to work in me or through me. Um... So there's a few verses about that point that a la- lack of faith or the presence of faith affects God's work, and it's from Matthew, starting at verse 9. We're not going li- to read lots of verses here, but um, skipping through just a little bit. Matthew chapter 9, verse 22. The story of the, um, the woman that was persistently following Jesus, she was not a Jewish lady, she was a Gentile, and the disciples, I'm sorry, I'm getting the wrong story here. This is the lady with the um, issue with the blood, and she touched his garment. Verse 22, and Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, said, be of good cheer Daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well that very hour. Her faith or Jesus? Which was it? Your faith has made you well. Obviously, it was the power of Jesus, but the power of Jesus without the faith doesn't yield up. But the power of Jesus with faith is when power is released. Um, On down to verse 29. Nope, I'm sorry, not 29. Yes, chapter 9, 29, I skipped a chapter. This is the two blind men that followed him in calling, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus says, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. According to your faith, let it be to you. Now the other story that I was starting to tell is in chapter 15. I'll read verse 22 through 28. And behold, a woman of Canaan... Came from the region and that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon possessed. And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Help me, Lord. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. There's nothing that impresses Jesus more than faith. Jesus just has so much power that he wants to release. And then the story when he went to Capernaum, his hometown, and he couldn't do many things because of their lack of faith. And so Jesus is walking among us today with all of his power, and he wants to do great things. And he's looking for channels just like he always has. I'd like to look, turn back a little tiny bit to Peter, um, a story of Peter, chapter 14, um, Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat before him and go to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain to pray by himself. And when evening had come, he was alone there. But the boat was in the middle of the sea and tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, of course, Peter, answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command that I come to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous and the way, and he was afraid and began to sink, and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they had gotten to the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So, you know, we, we've, we could be hard on Peter. Um, like one preacher said, um, Where were you, Matthew? Where were you, Mark? Where were you, Luke? Where were you, John. I think he forgot that Luke was not didn't wasn't on the scene at this point, but those other disciples didn't get out of the boat, and Peter was working hard to expand his faith safe. And I bet you, after he, after that experience, he had grown in his faith. Our lack of faith truly is a limiting factor of God's flow of power. Um, God longs to do great things in me and in you, to show himself strong. Um, If you're in the middle of a testing time, don't feel like God is not pleased with you. There are times in our lives when we feel like we don't have faith, when it's just not going well. Um, a verse for you, Hebrews twelve five through 7 says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. Now sons of who? That's the important part. This is talking about being children of God. When it says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom he loves, he chastens and scourges every son which he receives. If any endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? This is a comforting verse, but maybe not the most comforting verse because it's basically saying, don't worry, you're just getting a spanking. You're going through difficult times. But the encouraging part is to know that he is a father and he's working in us. He's expanding our limits of where he can go with us and how far he can take us by faith, how much we can depend on him. Um, And yes, God's out of our box. Sometimes we feel like we want to put God in a box um, one time, uh, a minister told me there was a lady in their congregation that shared a test, some testimony about Jesus speaking directly to her about something and showing her something. And some of the other ministers were like, yeah, but, you know, come on now. And this minister told me, he, said, he told the other ministers, don't put my God in a box. Um, or you could say, don't put... My God in your little box. God cannot be contained with our limited ideals. Um, God goes far beyond our faith safe, He is in the business of expanding our hearts. and getting us out of our boxes, too. Um, sometimes we may feel that we're completely out of our box, and we wonder what a safe box actually is. I suspect Daniel felt that way as he was being taken to the lion's den to be dropped in. He probably felt like he was out of his little faith safe, or the boys, when they were getting ready to thrown into the fiery furnace. So you the things you're going through doesn't feel safe. You've never been here before. And yet something deep down inside you tells you God is still with you. You're right. He is. And He's wanting to grow you through this thing to have a much larger area in your heart and in your life that He can operate in and bigger ways that He can use you. It seems that God in His wisdom will gently, and sometimes not so gently, nudge us from our nest into the unknown so that we can know Him better. There are other ways that um, God can increase our faith. Sometimes God just surprises us. Something unexpected causes us to just sit down and reconsider God. What is this? When Peter returned from visiting Cornelius, Cornelius was a Gentile, and up until this point, the Jewish people, under the command of God, we were not supposed to go into a Gentile's house and eat with them and sleep there. That was forbidden, except, well. so, So Peter went there, reached out to this Cornelius, and then came home to Jerusalem. And the Jews were pouncing on him at that point because of what he had done what were you thinking, Peter? And Peter says, wait, wait till I tell you. And these brethren here were with me. So they're my witnesses. This is what happened. He said, so I was over there at this Simon the Tanner's house, and um, I was on the, por- on the roof praying till noon, and I had this trance. And on the- in this trance, this vision, this sheet came down with all these four-footed animals and beasts that were not lawful, the Jewish people to eat. And he says, rise, Peter, take, kill, and eat. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. And this happened three times. And then the vision was ended. And I was there on the roof trying to figure out what this was all about. And then there's three men outside the gate. And the Spirit told me, go with them, doubting nothing. And so what was I supposed to do? And they're Gentiles. So he went with them, and he found Cornelius. And Cornelius had had a vision from an angel saying, call this Peter, who's at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. And there were so many undefeatable acts of God. And to, to fulfill the scenario, they were there in the room in, in Cornelius's house, and Cornelius says, so what is, what is the Lord told you to tell me. I'm listening. And Peter, who was filled up with the gospel, there was nothing else on his tongue. He had to share it. And while he was finishing up sharing the gospel message, the Holy Spirit came upon them just the way it did at Pentecost. There was absolutely no defeating it. And So these these, um, Jews that were pouncing on Peter, I love this, they got silent. They didn't have anything to say. I wanted to read that verse. I should have been turning to it. Acts eleven eighteen. it says, When they heard these things, they became silent. They became silent. And then they glorified God, saying, Then God has granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. And praise the Lord he has. Praise God he has. But their faith box just had to, their faith vault or... Safe had to grow vastly on that one. That was a brand new one. And sometimes you or I will run into things in life and say, God, what is this? And we have to study it and, and realize that God is bigger than I thought He was. Um, look how the, the testimony of Peter affected these men. And I want to talk just briefly about testimonies. Testimonies are faith builders. Testimonies, you sharing with me or with the church about what God, what great thing God did for you. You know what? It's not only right, but it's almost commanded. We need that from each other. That's what church is supposed to be about. Um, I'm a big fan of open council meeting because we hear we hear what's going on in your life, and you can hear what's going on in my life, and. We can grow that way, it's very important, and I appreciate that. Um, But beyond those meetings, we need to be open with each other and share what God is doing in our lives. So, a brief story, a short story, share with you about a testimony that I just listened to recently. A Christian family joined a small ministry helping exchange students with their English. A devout Muslim Saudi Arabian student came to the local university to get a degree in engineering. He was a very devout Muslim. He was actually bordering on a jihadist. Um, Back at home, he would give his life for the cause because that brought him more hope of an eternity in heaven. That's what he was taught. Um, Within the first few days of class, he realized that his English was lacking. He had studied a lot, but he was kind of blindsided with actually being immersed amongst the students, and he almost dropped out of school um, to brush up on his language. He couldn't figure out what what's up means. Or what's going on? He said, I do not know what is up. <laughs> um, and so he talked to the one um, teacher and told her that she was thinking about dropping out. She laughed at him and said, that's just, that's just social language. You just need to get used to that and get to know people. Um, she said, but if you want, there's an organization that you can sign up for to get some English training on the sides. And so he signed up, not knowing it was a Christian organization with volunteers like this family. Um, he went to that Christian family's home and they showed him the love of Christ, the love of Jesus, which caused him to reconsider everything that the Muslim taught him about Christianity, which bothered him because everything he was taught was right. Right without a shadow of doubt. Except for now, there was a taint. Um, he later transferred to another school and he lost contact with the family. But he met somebody else that had that same bacteria <laughs> that um, another gentleman he met was starkly different and reminded him of that family. And he became friends with this man and he tried to witness to this man to, you know, convert him to the truth so he could become a Muslim. He thought he could defeat him in any argument, but this Christian could look him in the eye and bring back truths and stand his ground. And um, that really bothered him. And... Around that time, 9-11 happened, and that really bothered him too. He knew why it happened. He would have been on that plane too if the right opportunities would have aligned themselves. But his whole religion started to bother him. And so he went to um, a church... He figured this was his um, engineering mind working. He's going to go to a church and listen to them preach and teach, and then he's going to use those things to defute his um, opponents in arguments so he can win in arguments. And he sat there, and he said the preacher spoke just to him, and it just bothered him. These people that invited him to the church must have told the preacher that this is what you need to say for him. Well... He didn't know the Holy Spirit was working on his life. So he went the next Sunday, same thing. Third Sunday, same thing. And a mysterious thing started to happen. He started to long for this Jesus whom they were talking about. He said, I wanted to believe in him even if it was the strange figment of my imagination. And after a few months, he finally humbled himself to admit he is a sinner and in need of Jesus' salvation, and he repented and became a born-again Christian. And it wasn't long after that that he started finding his calling was to teach and minister to other Muslims, and um, he was invited to a um, Saudi Arabian television program, and he shared his testimony, which is a very dangerous thing to do. And millions of Saudis heard his testimony. And he also co authored a um, book refuting the Quran and distributed that as well. Um, one girl became a Christian because of his testimony, and then her father and her brother killed her. Because that's what a devout Muslim will do. Because converting to Christianity is absolutely unacceptable. So after many years, he started thinking about that family. Where is this family? And he started searching for them and praying about it and um, finally found um, their address and he went to this tool called Google and he found everything that was ever to be known about them, more than they even knew probably, he said, and he was able to go call them and make contact and go visit them. And he told them how important it was of a step or a seed they planted in his life when he um, stayed with them and they showed him the love of Jesus. It was just, it cracked it. And your mind goes to the scripture too that um, one, wa- one plants, another waters, God gives the increase. Um, And this family was blown away because they had never seen the, any fruit from their ministry and they were very discouraged and were considering just quitting this ministry. And it was very encouraging to this family to have this young man come back. And millions of Muslims were hearing the gospel, greatly in part because of the seeds planted by this family, just loving Jesus and loving people. Um, Our lack of faith limits God's power flowing through us. It limits our dreams, our spiritual dreams. How far do we want to go? Um, God wants to use you and He wants to use me for great things. And I'll leave us with the verse, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. So let's grow in our faith. Let's let God expand our little walls and our faith safe. God bless you.